As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, James Richardson here, presenter of The Totally Football Show. It's a show about football and sometimes it's about life and usually it's about an hour long. This Thursday, it's particularly about the midweek Premier League games. Ten Hag against Conte, South Coast derby dust-up between uh, Bournemouth and Saints and the story tradition of the all-West London-Brentford-Chelsea clash. I'll be asking dumb questions. Duncan Alexander, Karl Anker and Ahmed Schubel will have clever answers and you can find all of that by searching for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. Well, City's most unwinnable fixture of the season has now passed. Unfortunately, not without incident, but we'll get into that shortly. This is Why Always Us. It's your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Good morning. And Paul Bias is here as well. Hi, Paul. Hi, good morning. Uh, so you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, I thought we'd dive straight in uh, this week because there's no no sense in uh, kind of dancing around the uh, the issues because we've uh, we've obviously got to talk about the game at Anfield. Let's start with the game. Um, uh, City fans have been pretty critical, Sam, in the aftermath of it all, of, uh, of Guardiola's approach to the game. Um, what did you make of it all? Yeah, uh, obviously been thinking about this quite a bit. It's Tuesday now we're recording. I mean, when I was sat in Anfield, and to be honest, even until Monday, really, and maybe, honestly, maybe this is just me being slow to react and spot things. But obviously I spotted like the kind of the shape was you know, different and they were trying new things. And I kind of had my issues with the shape and, and not just the shape of the instructions and stuff, which obviously we'll go into, but I didn't have it down as like a Guardiola overthink. Um, I suppose it does fall under that umbrella. You know, it fits the criteria of that. Um, but then again, if you're going to go down the the Guardiola overthink route, then you kind of need to look at all the other things that normally comes with that. And what I've always said is he makes these changes all the time. So the back three slash four was the same as what they did last weekend, but okay, with Cancelo on the other side. So that wasn't particularly new. Uh, but anyway, it was just one of those, basically, where I'm thinking City could have won that game as well. As I was sat in Anfield after about an hour or whatever, I was like, if either team wins this 1-0, you'd probably say fair enough. 
Um, okay, that means there was less control from City than normal because normally even at Anfield in the, well, certainly last season, the season before, City have deserved to win it and they've had the chances and they've kind of had that control. Um, so they didn't have that. But I thought, yeah, it was it was okay, the performance. Um, I thought, again, what I always say with the plan, and I said this on the Athletic Football podcast, you know, we could sit here and go, well, this didn't make sense. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And Guardiola could go, well, I wanted this and I wanted that. And we'll go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, if it had gone with something that was in inverted commas, their more normal approach, um, would they have won? Maybe they would have. If situations in the game had gone differently with the approach he did go for, would they have won? Yeah, they could have. Um, it was, like I say, it was a nil-nil game that was kind of decided on the toss of a coin. Um, and it, it went in Liverpool's favour. So I don't have major gripes with it, although it was, you know, kind of different. And there were, I mean, negatives that I could see as as well as positives. But yeah, yeah, I just think it's just it's just one of those. It's it's a it's a defeat to Liverpool. It's going to annoy people, especially because everyone's going into it. Maybe not City fans, because generally a lot of pessimistic fans. Um, but everyone going into it thinking, "Oh, City are going to score three or four. It's going to be easy." So you'd be especially pissed off when they lose. But the game itself, the ninety minutes, it wasn't a disaster. It wasn't terrible. It, you know, it's it's just football. Yeah, I was going to say, Paul, it's it's very... I mean, there's two things from what Sam has said there is, is first off, it only becomes a Guardiola overthink when they've lost. Um, he could do this and if, they, if they'd won it, it'd have been fine. Um, and then like the second thing is, as much as, as the game was even and, and you know, it, the changes that, that City made may have, have contributed to, to bringing Liverpool into it a bit more. If they played their normal style, their, as Sam said, inverted commas, normal style, uh, and gone there and lost 3-0, we'd have all been saying, well, why didn't he account for this? And why didn't he account for this? He, he gets one shot at the game and this was the approach he took. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's. I mean, we make the, just a diagnosis after the, after the result and that's fair, we all know that. Because we we spent one hour here praising Pep's setup against Man United, how he chose the centre backs in an unusual call, um, because they won, uh, and now we are in a position that we are, mm, yeah, maybe he didn't got the team right because they lost. Um, having said that, well, I think that if you if we if we wonder which were the best eleven players to play before the game, I think that. Maybe Jack Grealish would be the only name that could have come in that lineup, maybe, yeah. instead of Gundogan. But if you ask for us, like, the best 11 players to play that game, yeah. I, I mean, you cannot blame Pep, Pep, Pep Guardiola for that. But at the I same saw, time... I, I saw the team sheet and went, that's the team I'd have picked. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, I think it's honest and fair to say that uh, City didn't have a great game. They didn't play a great game. Some big names weren't at the best of their powers. Um... I think that Pep tried to do something similar than what he did against Southampton, like playing with a back three with Cancelo as a kind of winger. Um, and then, yeah, and just like with, at the end, at, at the start, sorry, it was Bernardo who was dropping just next to Rodri as a holding midfielder. Then he changed Bernardo for Gundogan. Gundogan was like sitting deeper and Bernardo up front, I guess, because Bernardo is really good at pressing. Um, but nothing of the... Of, those outdoor things ended up clicking basically because I think that uh, that City couldn't find the best Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, maybe De Bruyne missed like a proper winger. We will never know that. Um, just to make those passes and have like a real connection as as he used to have with like a proper winger. Um, 
but yeah, um, I think yeah, just as as Sam was saying, in my opinion, it was like a game that should have been a draw. Um, I think that the start of the game, of course, Liverpool was better. But at the second half, I was fearing or I was thinking that Liverpool might have one of those starts that they usually have against City. And I think that City controlled that quite well. They started well in the second half. And yeah, um, basically, it all changes after the disallowed goal. Um, I also think that City, you, you, you cannot go to Anfield and let Mohamed Salah go into, onto free runs, you know, one against one against Ederson because he's going to score at least one of them, which is what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the other side of this, Sam, as well, is is uh, did Guardiola effectively, uh, you know, impact his players' mentality going into this game? If he's if he's made all these changes to to kind of compensate for for what he fears Liverpool might do. And kind of yeah, does it make, done that before? Yeah, does it make players yeah. nervous though? If he's if he's if he's suggesting well, I mean, that? I I know he what does you mean. That every game, yeah, yeah, he does that every game. Um, and like at Anfield, I definitely do think you know how much he talks about this is Anfield, guys. You know, we have got to do this. You have got to have the ball. You can't be nervous. You can't. You know, we can't make mistakes. You know, playing up that level of importance to the game is going to kind of transmit to the players. And I have thought that in the past. Whether I'm right or wrong, I have thought that in the past. So you're asking me the question now. I can't entirely say no. Yes, that's no, not right because yeah. because I have thought I have thought that in the past. But in terms of going to Anfield with a plan and and doing things differently to how they do it, like when they went there last year and played really well, they would have you know okay it, it didn't look like five up front and Cancelo doing shorter runs up and down. But there would have been a different plan to the year before when they went there and obviously in the first half it was one Gundogan missed the penalty behind closed doors. It was a bit of a crap first half and in the second half they won four one like. There, there, there's there's changes all the time and as Paul says it's not just that game it's every game um, so I don't know maybe, maybe there's an element of you know guys guys this is Anfield guys that kind of makes them think a little bit but I, I, I don't know I don't know again because they're losing we're, we're kind of micro-analyzing every little part of yeah. it yeah um, and we could have we could have said this last year after 2-2 we could have said this after the 4-1 yeah um, you know, it's just th- this is how he manages. Um, everybody would agree that it's a massive, massive, massive net positive the way that Guardiola is and what he does in terms of his management of City, in terms of what he gives them results and style and everything. Uh, but then, yeah, when when the results are not good, we kind of sit here and go, "Oh well, what about this and and what about that?" And I don't know. It's it's a bit much. Yeah, I mean, the, like the... I say, like it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect on Sunday, but you know, I don't think we need to go dive into like, everything. Yeah, I did. I did say. I, I, I by the time I actually commented on the game on Twitter because I I did the thing of uh, deciding not to embarrass myself on Sunday night because I was pretty angry with the result and uh, and everything. And I thought if I tweet about the game, I'm going to end up tweeting something that is that I'm going to look back on on Monday and think you moron, why have you said that? Um, but I when I I was sat at work yesterday and, I, and all I could think about in in terms of the game was. That actually, I was I was okay with it. I was okay with the setup and okay with with how they played because by and large they did control it. They made a couple of mistakes that let Salah through, and that's what they need to improve. But it was like I, I can't remember if it was you, or Paul, or, or if it was you, Sam, that said it. But it was the toss of a coin. It was it was such a narrow victory that you know if, if the game if the ninety minutes ends in a draw or a City win, I don't think people come away from it going, uh, well, that was undeserved. It was it, it's, yeah, it was yeah, one of those exactly. that that kind of goes in in all directions. Um, Paul, you mentioned the VAR. Uh, disallowed goal. Um, I'm wondering how much, 
that that kind of affected the game in a way that maybe Guardiola could or couldn't control because it it, it gets the fans going. It like it it gives Liverpool a little bit of a of a lift. Um, and I'm wondering at that point because it, it was around about then that Klopp made his substitutions, and it's almost yeah. a case of of I'm wondering if. If Klopp made his move and City chose not to, and that was that was the that was the incorrect decision, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if not making changes was like the correct decision or not. I'm, I don't really know that, but uh, I really think that the disallowed goal was like a turning point. I mean, that, that's a fact, um, and you could see that Pep was like really frustrated after the game by what he said and the quotes that he gave about the this is Anfield and all this stuff. Um, and he didn't hide it on the, the touchline, and that gave Anfield wings, and and somehow um, I think that the atmosphere just changed from that. I mean, it it was like a whole different story, um, and yeah, probably it didn't play a favor for 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 City, uh, and it went well for Liverpool. But yeah, um, uh, at the end of the game, uh, we are just talking about us because Joao Cancelo just missed. Read an interception and just let Salah run out of the goal. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like I'm wondering, Sam, if he, if if after the disallowed goal, he started managing on emotions rather than uh, kind of logic and what he would normally like what he would normally do. No, because what he would normally do is not make any subs until right. Yeah, yeah, which is what he did. It's not. We know he does. We know he's not going to make subs because he would have been happy enough with how the game was going, and he wouldn't have wanted to risk it going worse. Um, he wouldn't want to un, un, like destabilize the setup he's got, which you know, in his eyes, and I think in our eyes, the way we're analysing it, was only undone by that individual mistake at the back. So, and we know what he's like. You know, you can say in in this sense a fairly. Ne- I think he's negative in this sense. He doesn't. You know, he wouldn't gamble. You know, Klopp made three subs to to change things. Guardiola wouldn't. I don't think Guardiola would ever make three subs in a situation like that. You know, he doesn't even make three subs when they're like two 0 up. I remember yeah. when they were, they were at Wolves and like Wolves, it was 2 0. So Wolves had 10 men, but Wolves were playing quite well. And he only made the subs when City scored the third goal. Like he's not going to try and destabilize what that, he's got already. What he's got, as, as long, unless, it's, unless it's just shit, you know, unless it's just not working. And obviously, on the, the final game of last season against Villa, something had to change, didn't it? Because you can't just ride out yeah. that. And it was, yeah. But we know nine times out of 10, it's not going to happen. Like there's, there's no point. On this podcast, at least, because we talked about it so often, going into it again. Yeah. Um, so the in, the emo- I mean, maybe you could say the emotions, managing on emotions, that a negative emotion. And you know, if he if he was thinking of changing it, he wasn't going to because he was even more thinking. Oh, but no, I, it was. I think he managed it exactly the same as how he would have otherwise. Yeah. Um, again, in terms of on the pitch, I mean, maybe there's another debate about oh, it's the Real Madrid thing. There's a setback, you know, because Liverpool had a chance straight after the disallowed goal, didn't they? Yeah. But I, to be honest, I can't. I can't remember. Obviously, they would have had the ball anyway. So, was it a mistake? Was it some mental response? Or did Liverpool just have a chance after the goal? Yeah, you know, any kind of... I'm interested, actually, that given that time when Arteta G'd up the Anfield crowd by rowing with Klopp and the whole match got... You know, the whole fact that Liverpool beat Arsenal in that game last season was yeah. put down to Arteta having a row with Klopp and it backfiring. I can't believe more people haven't said that Guardiola kind of g up the Anfield crowd contributed to it. But I don't 
I don't I don't really believe so, that because like yeah, I said, don't really subscribe to that. Like we say, it was just that mistake, wasn't it? And I, about that Cantella mistake, I was genuinely going to tweet last week, but you know what it's like when everything's going well, and basically now I just can't be asked with making a lot of jokes because it's just I just people might like it. Well, some people might probably go. Ah, I was like, I'm not even going to bother. Can't be bothered. I overthought it, didn't do it. But the tweet was genuinely going to be because Cancelo is always the last man back at like corners, isn't he? Yeah. And and it makes sense because you've you've got other you've got better players to hang around the edge of the box and shoot. He's not tall, so it's the best place for him. You know, he's quite quick. He's quick. Yeah. You can, you can push. You can push a. You can push a player into certain positions. So it makes sense to have him back there. But the tweet was going to be: It's funny that Jao Cancelo is the last man back on corners. It's the best place for him, but he's probably the. City player with like a 14% chance of just falling over and letting the other team run in and score. That was just going to be the joke because everything was going well. They just batted Southampton. And then lo and behold, it's, you know, more or less actually what happened at Anfield. Yeah, I do. You, know, I, I, you I do are, you are kind with... of leaving back. the. If, if you were to look at one player in that team and go well, defensively, I'm not sure about him, apart from Haaland, you'd go, oh yeah, it's Cancelo. Everybody says, oh yeah, we love Cancelo. But even if it's not fair, even if it's overblown, everybody says, oh, we love Cancelo. But you know, he's not great defensively. It is kind of funny that he's the last man back. Like I say, I understand it. It's the best place for him. But we did kind of... I'm not even saying it's a, it's a mistake that needs to change. It's just funny because literally last week I was thinking, oh, that's an interesting one. And then literally a week later, oh yeah, he's done it in the biggest game of the season. But, yeah, it is It is uh, interesting though, Paul, because I mean, th- this is, I guess this is the difference between uh, when I was a kid learning how to, to play football and when uh, these players are now kind of playing at the peak. But um, like when I was a kid, I was always taught if you've got one attacker on the halfway line, you leave two players back with them and that sort of, that sort of <laughs> cover. And I, yeah, get why yeah, City, yeah, yeah. I get why City don't. But when it's Mohamed Salah up against Jao Cancelo, should there be a bit more protection though? Uh, I don't think City should change like the approach that they have on set pieces and on and, and on defensive uh, because of a particular game. I think that this this situation just if I think that Cancelo is like so used to defend like going forward like to uh, attack the opponent that he just did the same now. But if you're like like the last man, probably the best solution would have been just to hold on Salah maybe. Mm, just let him control the ball, but just hold him, just not... Yeah, slow it all down. Yeah, just to slow it all down. And someone would have made it. Someone would have made it like on time just to make a cover-up or just to be more than one guy back, back there. But yeah, it, it was just like the instinct that Joe Cancelo has that he just goes forward in everything he does. Um, and it was a clear mistake uh, in, in that regard. So I think that despite just leaving one man against Mo, Mo Salah, there are like ways of defending it that um, it should have made it like too painful for, for City, but it wasn't clearly done on, on, on Sunday for sure. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the goal that that wasn't and uh, and City's disallowed goal. Um, Sam, City fans uh, a little bit aggrieved that it was disallowed, but I mean, ultimately there was a very clear shirt pull in all of that, wasn't there? Well, you know what? So again, so our monitor didn't work, so I was able to kind of shuffle along to a different monitor sometimes. But watching it live, um, I remember thinking I, I saw obviously the coming together between Haaland and Fabinho and Klopp had his arms in the air, like how can that not be a foul? And you think, okay, well, if they score from this, it's going to be looked at. So then they did score. Liverpool all went to the ref and I was like, okay, well, this is going to be checked, isn't it? But I thought, I actually tweeted, like Foden goal, Liverpool want a foul, would be harsh in my opinion. Because from what I saw, I thought that's never a foul. And then because the monitor didn't work, by the time I got to one, they were just showing Haaland's coming together with Alisson. 
And then they disallowed the goal and they announced in the stadium, oh yeah, fouled by Erling Haaland. I was like, okay, well, it must have been on Alisson then. And that, and that kind of looked like he had it in two hands. Um, so I thought, fair enough. And then a few minutes later, I was like, hold on a minute. Haaland was the one who tussled with Fabinho. So I asked, I was like, what was the foul for? And they went, it was, and the people I was sat next to were like, it's Fabinho. And I was like, that wasn't a foul. I was like, BA, that wasn't a foul. And then I was trying to find what people were saying. And there was a lot of City fans saying, that's a foul. And there was a few saying, never a foul in a million years. And I was I didn't think it was a foul, you know. And then couldn't find it. Couldn't find the bloody replay anywhere online. Um, managed to get it because by the time I was writing my article after the press conferences, I was like, I can't write the next bit of this without <laughs> knowing I've seen what it, happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. without having an opinion on it. And then I found it and I was like, oh, he's pulled his shirt. And I was fully prepared to say, that's never a foul in a million years. I was fully prepared, even though even a lot of City fans were saying, yeah, it's a foul. I was fully prepared to be like, no, I'm not having it because I wasn't having it in real time. And then it was just a shirt pull, in it? And I wrote in the article, like, handball, No, I couldn't tell you well, I mean, certain certain instances you can, but I suppose this is it. With handball, you don't know. You don't know. Is that handball? Is that not handball? Is that going to be given as handball? Is it not? It's so inconsistent. Nobody seems to know. Guardiola was asked about it after the Copenhagen game last week. He was like, do you understand the handball rule? He was like, no, nobody does. But a shirt pull is a shirt pull, isn't it? It's just a foul. Like, the way the laws are at the moment, that is just a foul. So, yeah, unfortunately, it was kind of always going to be pulled back. Um, and then, obviously, Guardiola's complaint was, the ref said the whole game was going to be play on, play on, play on. And then except when City scored, um, it wasn't play on. And obviously he went into the, this is Anfield thing. We've been here many years, many, many years, many, many, and all of that kind of stuff. So we know what he's talking about. Um, but it's not so much a City and Liverpool thing there as if if the referee on the pitch is going to let the game flow, but then VAR is going to be like, hold on a minute, we're sticking rigidly to the rules here. Then there's going to be there's going to be a, a conflict, problem at some yeah. point because yeah, yeah. what's the point? Like what's the point yeah. of having a flowing game? And then as soon as a goal scored, they go actually well that doesn't count. But in this case, so in other games, I think that's a valid point. But in this case, that probably is a clear and obvious error, isn't it? Because a shirt pull is clear and obvious foul. So if Anthony and we don't know if Anthony Taylor saw but it, that, and maybe he did. Yeah, that's that's maybe my Anthony issue. Taylor saw it and went, I'm going to I'm going to ignore that and that's fine. Or maybe he just missed it and they went, you've missed that, mate. But I mean, we don't know. But yeah. I mean, there well, is some there is some level of inconsistency there, but I, I don't think this this one was that controversial. I think I think what confuses the matter is that um, the protocol for the VAR is that uh, basically the VAR will ask Anthony Taylor what he's seen, and then he describes it. So if he's not mentioned the shirt pull in his description, then the VAR says, "Well, hang on, there's a shirt pull in there. Come and have a look at it." Um, if he does, then the VAR won't get involved, and they'll look at the the Allison incident instead. Um, which I mean, I'll come on to in a second because goalkeeper got a few opinions, but here we are. Um, the the then when Anthony Taylor gets the monitor, he's got no option but to overturn it because, as you say, Sam, yeah. there's, a, there's a very very clear foul yeah. in there, um, and that doesn't impact on any other decision he's made. If he if if he if he sees a shirt pull elsewhere on the pitch and decides to let it go, I mean, he let the Bernardo on Salah go, which yeah. was, I mean, was, was that what yeah. Klopp got sent off for? Because I didn't yeah. think that was a foul. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. But oh, no, I, I am I am a very much let the games go kind of thing, and again I've not seen a replay even now. But I, I was just like, yeah, 
I mean, it was very physical, but I was like, Bernardo's just got himself in the way, and fair enough. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's irrelevant, isn't it? Yeah, and like my my issue is that if you if you let other similar fouls go, then what can happen is it can get teams in advantageous positions from which they can score, but the goal won't be disallowed because the foul is too early in the in the move, if that makes sense. So it could like it, it, that sort of similar uh, similar situation. If it had got City a corner and City had scored from that corner, it wouldn't get pulled back. Um, and that's, I think, that's my problem with letting it flow and then being really harsh on it when you'd look at the video and it's it, it becomes an issue there. Just on the on the Allison thing, um, I am not convinced that. Uh, I mean, the Premier League have said that that it would have been reviewed, um, but it, had it got that far in the, in the move, but I'm not convinced it should be a foul on on Allison because I don't think he's got control of the ball. Um, control just because he's just because two hands are in contact with the ball while he's moving and while like he's coming together with Haaland, it's the same sort of thing as like making a catch but then dropping it onto a defender's head or a striker's head. Um, I think you've got to I think you've got to be in full control of it, and whether that's in one hand holding it underneath and holding it out with an outstretched arm or whatever, that's fine. But just because it's two hands doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, it's in full control. But you know, City fan, goalkeeper, what what am I? Uh, but, uh, not, not like well, yeah, my it's a bit like what I was saying about the, hand, the handball in the Community Shield. You know when they give the handball against Diaz. Yeah, I was like, you can't. Yeah, like that was a terrible header that was going wide. You can't give a penalty for that, but that's not in the laws. So yeah, that context isn't in the laws. So it was a penalty in the laws of the game. But I know what you mean. Like we could say you can't give a penalty for that. Nothing was coming from that header. You can't give them a, like. I don't know whatever the probability is of scoring a penalty. What's the XG on a penalty? I can't remember. It's seven, seven, eight, four. Or yeah, like seven, eight, yeah. Eight, think, so, so you can't do that for that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Unfortunately, we're not focusing only on uh, on the field issues. Um, Paul, it's been uh, quite the week of, of off the field stuff as well. Uh, what do you make of everything that's happened? Uh, well, it's like long uh everything um yeah basically like the, the the main thing or the most annoying thing is what has been happening like after the game and just the battle of narrative if we can say it that way um that yeah has been going through um of course i i, I believe that city can have reasons to be unhappy at what Klopp said before the game and how he used the words um but i think that none of them justifies or gives a platform, creates a platform to understand the chance against Hillsborough. That's for me, that's that that's like the bottom line. Because after what Klopp said, there's been like some speculation that mm, it created like an atmosphere um that well um then the chance over on the away end happened. So for me the bottom line and and the red line that we have to draw is that mm, none of these chance can be acceptable like in any context. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's not. It, 
it doesn't have to happen that way, but it's usually what happens when two teams like fight in the very top of the game. And when they play big games, they create like this kind of rivalries. But again, just at any point or in any area that it goes over like this kind of red lines, I think that any club or any entity should should condemn it like with the strongest of the forces, basically. And they didn't. On some level, I need to be careful. Um, but it's just what Paul said. Don't... It, City's kind of official stance on it as a club is not to condemn a minority of fans and apologise, which is just normal procedure. It's to say, well, they started it. It's just made everything worse. Like, what kind of communication strategy is that? It's, yeah, stupid, basically. Yeah. Um, like, like Paul said, like we, we can look at what, uh, what Klopp said and we can... We can talk about that in isolation, but kind of those kind of back and forth managerial comments, because we could you could also say you know Guardiola at the end of last season saying Liverpool hadn't won the Premier League in thirty years or whatever it was, um, you, you you know those kind of managerial back and forths are all kind of I don't want to say part and parcel, but it kind of it's part, certainly part of the established rivalry between the clubs at this point. You know the fans have got a rivalry. The managers have got a bit of a rivalry, and obviously the clubs have. But now it's like at like official club level, like officially Manchester City are saying, "Well, we're not sorry about that. You started it." And now, obviously, Liverpool via their briefings are really pissed off with that. So it's escalated it. And I mean, look, maybe some City fans. Well, some City fans were like that kind of war footing, but I don't know. I just think it's amateurish, really. And also, what does it, I mean? Who does that speak? What does it mean? So that is the club's position, but I, I mean, I'd love to know. Is you know, is that what Chiki Bagheera's side thinks? Is that what Guardiola thinks? Is that what Kaldun Mubarak thinks? But this is the, this is what I mean. That is the club's position now. But what is the club in this case? Is it what the fans think? I don't think it's what the fans think. I don't think it's what all the fans think. S- certainly, some of them. But is is it all of the fans? Is it Guardiola? Is it Ilkay Gundogan? Is it Kaldun Mubarak? Is it the owner? It, it, it has to be now because that's what it is. That is officially that is the club position on it. But I don't think all of those people will agree with that. You got to be very careful. And look, yeah. I, I need to be very careful, not just with this, but with everything. And you know, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. But you know, I'm not in charge of communications for one of the biggest football clubs on the planet. You got to be careful. Yeah, it makes I, things worse. How how did we get to this point, Sam? Because I, re- I remember, was it It was only last season, wasn't it, that there was an opinion piece saying there wasn't enough needle in this rivalry, and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they those were kind of stupid things anyway. It was all, oh, we can't enjoy this rivalry because it's not Man United Arsenal. Grow up. Um, that was, it was just pathetic anyway. But yeah, how, I mean, how has it got to this point? Well, it, I mean, it's just. A continuation. That's why those articles were stupid, really, wasn't it? Because um, that City Liverpool rivalry has been there and it's been toxic for years, you know. And it has been. Oh, well, you sing, you sing this and you sing that, you know. When it's like the the Sterling song and um, just what you know, it's always been. Oh, you did this and you said that. It's been that for years. But I mean, how it's got to this point now is just just this, you know, official response from City. That's that's what's taking it to the next level. Um, but I mean, how it's got to singing, um, singing like Hillsborough-related songs, um, is just this kind of—I don't know. 
inevitable conclusion of where it's been in the last few years of just this toxicity and you know a minority of of dickheads basically kind of just pushing the pushing the boundaries i mean they're even you know they even sing in god save the king which is not my type of banter whatsoever um you know just to just to wind up liverpool fans and you know that's just that's just kind of i, I would imagine that's city fans with certain like political and royalist beliefs doing it to wind up um Liverpool fans of certain political and royalist beliefs, but there'd be I'm sure there would have been City fans in the away end thinking, like that's 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 pissing me off. Never mind Liverpool fans, that's annoying me. Singing "God Save the King," you know what I mean. And then when when Liverpool fans started replying with duh, 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 "fuck the Tories," I was like, there'd be loads of City fans agreeing with that. Um, but yeah, it, it it's just a kind of juvenile conclusion of the rivalry on the pitch. Um, you know, the chucking the coins at the bus, the refereeing decisions, the manager comments, all of that, you know, that's, that's kind of been going on for years. Um, but, you know, as, as a club, you kind of need to just take a responsible line really and de-escalate it, you know, not escalate it by, like, even if that's what you believe, even if, even if you believe that like an individual or a club or whatever has kind of stoked it, I don't know, it, it's just responsible just to kind of just to kind of own it and say yeah we're sorry we we apologize but yeah it's it it's it's it has escalated now um and yeah i mean i don't know what i don't know what, where it will go next it'll probably just carry on like it is but look there's there's coin throwing already you know the bus has already been attacked this that's from liverpool you know these these chants have already happened there's graffiti i don't know what it says but along supposedly along the same lines you know it's yeah it's it's bad everyone just I know. I mean, it's difficult for me to say this because I don't really have an emotional attachment with a football club anymore. And I, like, it's easy for people in the media to say, oh, well, you know, football fans should do this and do that. So I, I can't relate to having these strong emotions, but it's just, just fucking, just fucking grow up. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, I don't know. It's as simple as that, isn't it? I don't know. It's, I don't it's, get it, but maybe, maybe, yeah. But uh, no, I know what you mean though, because in the in the same way as as I was watching that game, I was at home on on Sunday watching the game. My reaction to a lot of the things that happened on the pitch was irrational. There was so many. I I, I was I, I was thinking through so many different moments of that game, where. I was I was completely blinded by what I wanted to happen, and that's I wanted City to win the game, and it becomes a point of. You know, not that I get to the point of singing songs about Hillsborough or whatever, but it's the point of truly believing for a good 10, 15 minutes that there was absolutely no foul in the build-up to, to City's goal or or something like the the decision to not tweet on Sunday on Sunday evening because I knew that I would say something that actually is just irrational. And you're in a situation where in the away end of a ground, like you things start to escalate and things start to get to that point where you make really really bad decisions and this isn't to defend those that that were were singing those uh, were singing chants about uh, about Hillsborough or Heisel um uh, my my kind of my worry is is kind of like how you stop that now at this point because because the emotions are so high i mean paul does sam mentioned that the way the managers speak does that affect any of this the fact that i mean in the build up Klopp was talking about city's finances and that's something that city fans get get very defensive about afterwards guardiola talking the whole this is anfield thing that's that's going to do nothing but ramp it up as well um is there responsibility there as well yeah well i, I mean i think that we could imagine that the jibe that that club um, had uh, on Friday was gonna like affect city fans because this is the kind of issue that 
concerns city fans and it's like the usual dig that opposition had have from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, at some point, I guess that um, all the parts will learn that 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 the whole that the healthiest thing is just to try to escalate it. Maybe now it's like too recent, things are like too fresh. But at some point, I'm hopeful that both sides are gonna see or are gonna think something like, "Look, let's see where we are right now, and just let's do something to not get into a worse place." Um, and I think that yeah, probably it it wasn't like. Um, perfectly like addressed in the past because I as as we were as we were mentioning like with the buzz attack with all the incidents that happened in the past to create this kind of atmosphere um, now it reached like another point or another level or uh, yeah just another turning point um, but at some point I mean that's that has to be like the normal procedure of any um, process that reach that that level of um, of angriness and bitterness and and this kind of issues. I'm hopeful that this is how it's going to pan out in the future somehow. They need yeah. to do the Super League again so City and Liverpool fans start hating their own clubs and everyone comes together again. That's the only <laughs> way it's going to be fixed. It's it's still kind of funny that um, we were complaining, just, just as someone <clears throat> was saying, we were complaining that this rivalry w- 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 wasn't toxic enough last season and now we are complaining because this is like too much toxic yeah but it has, it has been though isn't it like I, I i was actually in the away end in mm-hmm. 2018 for the 4-3 game so that was obviously that but obviously that was before the champions league game with the bus and, and all of that mm-hmm. um so and, and back then it wasn't like you know there wasn't any murderous chance i had to keep my mouth shut for you know or not keep my head down for it was just it was just like oh god going to Anfield, I hate Liverpool, never going to win, blah, blah, blah. It was just that. And then, yeah, so it's it's just the last four years, isn't it? And So, I mean, people have been, like I've seen City fans and Liverpool fans mentioning it on Twitter as well. Like, it was 10 years ago, there was like a Justice for the 96 banner in the in the City crowd, maybe Anfield, like 10 years ago. And now it's just, you know, completely gone the other way. But I mean, there's a whole kind of society and social media elements of this as well. But I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's, I don't know if I'm qualified for that. There's one. There is one thing I, I would like to say. For this. Well, there is one thing I would like to say before we finish on this topic as well. Um, well, the two things. It comes in two parts, really. The first one is uh, there'll be city fans of a certain age listening to this who uh, will quite vividly remember the build-up to the 2008 Manchester derby at Old Trafford and. The, yeah, I've heard a lot about this. The genuine I fear. I remember a lot, but yeah. yeah, the genuine fear that City fans would ruin the occasion because it was uh, the weekend of the fiftieth anniversary of the Munich air disaster, and like think of the pride that City fans felt in the aftermath of that game, not just for winning that game, but for the fact that afterwards the whoever was on the PA announcer for for United at Old Trafford. Um, Thank the City fans for being impeccable during the game. And I, I remember chants in the years afterwards of, uh, from City fans of we are impeccable because of, of how they had treated that occasion. And that is that sense of pride is completely at odds with what happened with it. I mean, maybe it's a majority, maybe it's a minority of, of people in the away end on, on, on Sunday, but it's completely at odds with, with what they were doing in, in, in that away end. Um, and the second thing I have to say is is that you know you can you can read all about Hillsborough, you can read the the uh, injustices that have happened, and there's been tribunals and stuff since that that have that where the outcomes are clear. 
um, there are survivors in that crowd. There are people who who yeah, yeah. remember it and can see and and still suffer the aftermath of of what happened on on um, on that day, and they should be able to go to a football game without having to relive that and without having to to remember it and be, have it forced upon them in such an, uh, an offensive way. Um, and if it was the other way around and if it was City fans who were having to relive that, then you know the, the, those in the away end would be absolutely apoplectic at what was being done. Um, like I, I'm not oh, suggesting, yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting that football should be should be sanitised and that we that there shouldn't be any sort of rivalry and that we shouldn't have those sorts of uh, back and forths that are good natured, but like you should be able to go to a football game without feeling physically or verbally threatened, and that's kind of where I'm at with it all. Um, so I just like to, I, I just again, the situation just needs de-escalated, and if it needs a City fan to say that, or if it needs you know the club to say that, then somebody needs to say it. And, uh, and 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 just kind of move us on to like the next meeting. When is it? It's it's April time. Is it the uh, the return game? Um, just don't want to see anything like that at the next game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now let's finish this week by uh, talking about the uh, general bigger picture. Uh, because Paul, I said at the beginning that this was City's most unwinnable game. It's now done and dusted. It's ended with uh, City four points off the top of the table. Um, but you know, as much as we're all disappointed with the result, nobody was expecting City to go unbeaten throughout the entire season. Um, they've lost one all, all year. They're still in a very good place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they they are in a very good place. Yeah. Um, it it marks the point probably that you can see why. Or like uh, speaking to people like at the club, like in like in the last two weeks when we were speaking about like this uh, game um, like two weekends ago against Liverpool and Arsenal, um, some people at the club were saying like mm, I don't I don't really know if I want Liverpool to win and probably I would prefer Arsenal to win because um, we want Liverpool like just as far as we possibly can from us and I think that. This game proves that Liverpool are, are possibly the best equipped team to fight against City's style, which is a good thing that they are like ten points ten points away from Man City. So um, that leaves the team like in a really good position, um, and of course, like there's a lot to play for. Um, and I still think that probably we could consider City like probably the main candidates to win this title. Or yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think that. Um, <laughs> Just it doesn't leave them like in a really bad place. Yeah, I, that's. I think that's the key, isn't it, Sam? That um, the one thing I took from the game on Sunday was that um, 
actually, I, I, I don't think Liverpool are as out of it as as uh, people might think. And yeah, they might have problems this season, but like the City are 10 points ahead at this stage. Liverpool have a game in hand. That's very similar to a situation that, that existed last season, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is, and with loads more games. I mean, we don't know. We don't know how Liverpool are going to use this game. Is it a spark, or did they just get a... A performance against a team that let Salah run through on goal rather than sit back. I'm not saying City should have sat back and defended, but most teams will. And that's what's um, kind of frustrated Liverpool. And they've kind of been lacking in that like, kind of passion and motivation and pressing and energy and whatever. But against City, unless you know, unless they're really a basket case, you, Liverpool can never come out of Anfield against City and not be like wild and in their faces and like they normally are. Um, so was it a one-off game um, and they'll go back to struggling? Or will it spark Summon into them. Um, don't know. You know, do they miss Mane? Do they not? I, we'll find out. Um, I I always thought, and to be honest, I was getting less and less wedded to this as the weeks went on. You know, when they lost to Arsenal, I was like, maybe they are going to just fall away this season. But I always thought, like most people would, that Liverpool would be City's closest rivals anyway. Um, I think everybody kind of thinks, and maybe it's harsh on Arsenal, but I'm sure everybody thinks, apart from Arsenal fans, that they'll fall away. Um, just because, well... Not not because of anything to do with Arsenal, really, but for the reasons I thought Chelsea wouldn't last last season and for the reasons I thought that United wouldn't challenge in recent years and the reasons that I thought Spurs wouldn't wouldn't challenge this season because, and maybe they, they can do this, and obviously City had to go from not doing it to doing it and Liverpool went from not doing it to doing it, but you've got to get more than 95 points now yeah. to win the Premier there, League. There is do a I see Arsenal doing yeah. that? I don't, I don't. Um, um, and you know, I've, I've I've enjoyed watching them play at the start of the season. I think fair play to them for where they are now. And you know, they 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 could be top of the league going into the World Cup. Do I think it will last? Not really. Um, and obviously, I think City are the most likely team that will take advantage of that. Maybe it'll be Liverpool. But I've always thought that, and I thought that before this weekend. Um, and it's just the biggest thing is it's such a shame that it's not Arsenal against City on Wednesday night. It would have been phenomenal. What a game it would have been. <laughs> I don't know. I'm quite happy that that game's not going ahead right now. You know, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Um, but it would have been great. It would have been fantastic. And it would have been, you know, we'd have had not really an answer, but as close to an answer as we would have got as are Arsenal serious? Well, there we go. They've got City. And City have just lost to Liverpool. So what are they about? It would have been it would have been brilliant. Um but now I'm thinking they'll probably play in March and Arsenal will be about at least eight points behind or something. But but I mean I, I hopefully not. I, I hope I hope Arsenal are in it, you know. I hope Arsenal are the a kind of a new challenger to kind of freshen up the scene. Um and yeah. I mean to to go back into previous comments and stuff about um, you know City being bad for football and all this. I suppose you know that is another com- that is another conversation for another day. But oh, you know yeah. they're still not top, still not top. <laughs> Liverpool, the team they can't challenge, beat them the other day. Like I I, I know that's a very kind of basic sim- simplistic view, but they're not top. They're not top. They've got the same points as Spurs. Yeah, might have uh, might have fewer points than Spurs by the time the next play as well, because uh, obviously game in hand and all that sort of stuff. Um, Tumbling down the table, <laughs> um, Paul. Just in in terms of uh, the the kind of dynamic at the top of the table right now. Um, again, as we've said, despite Liverpool's troubles, you'd, you'd say these two teams are still playing at a level above uh, everything else in the league, maybe. Because I um, I didn't watch Arsenal's game against Leeds, but by all accounts, they were they were pretty lucky to to get away with the three points. Um, there's been a couple of times this season where I have they were watched good Arsenal. against Liverpool, though. Yeah, they were. Yeah. But there's there's been a couple of times I've watched Arsenal this season and thought, mm, okay, I think City could. I, I think City are, are playing at a, a level that is higher than this. 
Um, but then again, there's been a couple of times where I've watched Arsenal and thought, this is good. This is good football. And I'm wondering how much of a, of a transition stage Arsenal are in compared to where City are at. And it's a, a case of, you know, in a, in a short sample size, Arsenal will do really well. But over the course of the season, City, you'd kind of expect to move through the gears and finish above them. Yeah, that's it. I think that Arsenal, as long as they are like in a in an advanced stage, probably, and in the advanced phase of the transformation that they wanted to do with Mikel Arteta, probably, and they've seen like um, optimistic glimpses to believe that they are on the right path. I don't think they that they they have like the depth and the yeah just the squad quality to cope with like um, more than forty games a season and just keep up with. With, with 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 the level that Man City can keep up with, basically, um, so that's that's basically the main point. Um, now Arsenal are are just playing with the boost that provides the fact of being top of the league, um, and just like giving like this extra effort, this extra um, a spark, if you want to call it that way, um, that gives you just feeling four points above of uh, Manchester City. But it's going to be a long way. It's going to be a long way. I think that Arsenal know, know it. Um, but yeah, um, let's see how it goes. I think Tottenham, Tottenham are not like really playing well or brilliantly or nicely. I'm not but having Tottenham that, whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, either, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah. And, and, and they are teams that are going to get points sorted out um, in the whole season. And I think that they have a real fair chance to make it to the top four. At least I think that they are one of the contenders to end up in there. So I think that, yeah, Tottenham, we we, we shouldn't like underestimate Tottenham uh, as well because, yeah, uh, they have pro- 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 probably like two two attackers and some players that would be like starters in any, cl- in any football club in the world. Well, they'll, they'll take six points off City anyway. So that they'll, <laughs> yeah, that, what, once they've done that, we'll find out where they're at, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just uh, finally, Sam, um, a question that I... I, I Kind of, I've seen a few people pose around online at the moment. Um, when you think back to uh, what got me thinking about this was uh, obviously City um, links with Arsenal in Arteta now the manager and Sinchenko and Jesus they're doing well. Um, it, what got me thinking was like City squad as it stands this season. Um, I'm wondering how much of an improvement it is on last season and, and to, in terms of challenging because as much as, as last season was a, was a complete squad and was really good, it did miss the striker. Now I'm wondering if uh, the whole idea that they that they didn't get the fullbacks they wanted and they've left themselves a bit light there, with the way that they've been shifting Ake and Akanji around, I'm kind of wondering actually if, if this squad setup is the most complete it's been under Guardiola. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I haven't thought about whether it's complete or not and maybe... By the time I finish this answer, I'll have developed a better idea on it. But it's certainly better so far than I thought it may have been. Yeah. But I mean, look, they haven't have they had to cope with injuries yet. I suppose Walker going down in the circumstances um, of not having enough fullbacks is probably you know that that's a bad one, and they've they've been okay with that. Um, we were worried about kind of dynamism on the right hand side and depth and pace and stuff, but they've looked like they've had plenty of that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly so far it's been better than I expected. Is it the most complete squad? Um, I don't know because I mean, even back in the day when you know they had to use Delph at left back, and obviously that worked brilliantly. But you know, back then, if going into that season, it thought if they, if something happens to Mendy and if something happens to Company, they're in trouble, and then it did, and then they were fine. They got onto points um, with Otamendi and Otamendi and Delph in the back four. Yeah, and Otamendi was great. Um, yeah, exactly. So it was it's probably. 
like the kind of blanks and holes they've got in the squad now is probably the same as they had then. So is is it more complete? It's probably just as, as complete, but in different ways, maybe. And and again, like Calvin Phillips, you know, the worst case scenario would be Rodri being injured, but Phillips being injured isn't ideal either because you have to change you have to change it around. Um, but again, they've obviously in the derby with Gundogan, they they did very well with that. So yeah, I, I don't think we can know yet, but I, it's better than I expected. And a quick answer is it's probably on par with with previous seasons in the yeah. way that they can cope with it. No, you know, they didn't have a striker for 18 months or, you know, whatever they believe Gabriel Jesus was at the time. And, you know, they, they came through that. They didn't have the left back and they came through that. So they've always managed to do it. It's probably the same. Yeah. Right. So that brings us to an end for this week's White Away Us. Thank you, as ever, to Sam Lee. Thank you, lads. Cheers. And Paul Bias. Thank you, guys. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.